There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Tech Magic. I am your host, Kathy Hackle. You might have listened to my other Adweek podcast, Metaverse Marketing, and I'm thrilled if you're joining us for the first time or if you're coming for Metaverse Marketing to listen to Tech Magic. Adweek and I wanted to revamp the podcast and talk about technology in a broader way and try to make sense of all this technological change that is upon us. Uh, This podcast is inspired on Arthur C. Clarke's quote, that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So we're hoping to bring some light to everything that's happening in the tech space and make you make sense of, of some of the things that seem like magic. So for that, I have asked one of my bestest friends <laughs> in the tech industry, Lee Keebler, to join me as co-host for the first couple of episodes, where we're going to be talking about a lot of different things in the technology space. We're not just going to be talking about gaming. We're going to be talking about AI. We're going to be talking about space. We're going to be talking about frontier materials and even things related to crazy spiders. You'll have to see for that episode coming up. Um, We'll also be doing interviews with experts and talking about whether stories are a signal to just a fad or if they're actually going to be part of our future. So I want to welcome my co-host for Tech Magic for these first couple of episodes, Lee Keebler. Lee, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I I graduated the bestest friend. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) You're one of the bestest. (laughs) Some bad grammar there, but it's all good. It's with love. Um, so, Lee, you and I have known each other for, I don't even know, maybe, I don't know. For seven? a very long time. No, yes. a long time, right? A very long time. Yeah, we've been in the, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, spatial computing, whatever we call it now, space, uh, for a very long time. And you've had a really interesting career along the way. So, maybe for folks that don't know you, but a lot of people do, can you just tell folks a little bit about who you are and why you're such an awesome, awesome person to be a co-host. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, so I'm, I'm really just like, I started as a tech enthusiast. I was a musician. I lived in Nashville, had a guitar, was a DJ, you know, was trying to do the, the starving artist thing. And, uh, but I was also really involved in tech. I grew up uh, surrounded by technology. My dad was a, uh, a tech ed teacher in the public school system and really kind of was always encouraged to tinker with things and learn about things. I was a very curious kid like that. Um, and so I got into music tech because I was doing music industry stuff and I got this background in technology and started creating interesting ways that I could control music and instruments and my DJ gear and things like that. And that got the attention of, um, 
Well, I am from the Black Eyed Peas, and I got to spend uh, a really great uh, couple of years in the early part of my career uh, with him and in, in learning about the tech industry from from an, a high up entertainment level. Uh, and that led to some really great opportunities of building unique technology, immersive technology, a lot of art installations, um, went on to then work with Intel, uh, worked with Nike, worked with uh, a bunch of different brands, um, kind of building these type of things that never had been done before. Uh, got an opportunity to work in 2021 on the Olympics and bringing that into virtual reality uh, and spent a lot of time in virtual reality building things that weren't so exciting. Um, things in like the steel industry, uh, things that were just really necessary tools. And that's actually how I think you and I met in those early days when I was doing what would be considered more pragmatic virtual reality and, and <laughs> augmented reality tools. But yeah, uh, that's a little bit about my background. Um, fun fact, uh, my very first job, 14 years old, was in a magic shop in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Uh, yes, I was probably not supposed to be working behind a counter at 14 but that you know everyone's got those, <laughs> those stories were different times lee those different were different times, times. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool to be on something called tech magic i like i like the thread that's been woven um and right now i'm in portland oregon uh and i work for an awesome company that builds also installations uh called invisible thread and uh we're building cool tech magic every day and so i know you're building this tech magic we're building this tech magic um so i think this is going to be a fun podcast yeah i'm excited and throughout the podcast people are probably going to figure out that i love magic as well i cannot do a magic trick for my life um but i am like a little seven-year-old when it comes to magic and all. next time i see you in person not on (laughs) not via podcast right not on this coast to coast podcast we're doing next time we hang out i'm teaching you a magic trick Oh my goodness. So hopefully I'll be able to learn it. I like to watch more so than, uh, than try to do the, uh, you know, the, the trick, but let's get started. So, um, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of the stories that are kind of really, uh, you know, really interesting. People are talking about them. Let's start with one that actually, um, just happened. We're recording on Monday uh, this episode's dropping on Wednesday, but we got word, um, a couple of hours ago that John Richitello, the CEO of Unity, has retired. That's how it was phrased by the company. That comes after a couple rough weeks for Unity after some um, some announcements that made the developer community not very happy. So, do you want to share with folks a little bit about what what the announcement was that made the you know the developers not happy at all? Yeah, and let's caveat this really quickly. I mean, it said retired, but it also had the words effective immediately. So read into that what you will. Um, it's been a rough go of it this month with Unity, and I am a beloved Unity fan. Um, and so it was a hard month even for myself as a designer and developer as we saw new approaches to terms of service roll out that were somewhat questionable, uh, one of those being a retroactive terms of service, which I don't think any of us are familiar if that would even be enforceable. Yeah. Uh, that was a big question. Um, they wanted to go backwards. And if you had already released uh, content on previous versions of Unity, and that was already out, I'm talking you could have released it last year before any of these changes. They wanted to rec- retroactively adopt new terms of service that had some uh, implications on how things would be billed back to the developer. Uh, one of the things that they announced that I found very concerning was uh, the idea of 
the development team being billed per installation. And granted, there was a large cap here. So let me caveat this of if you made more than a million dollars on your video game or whatever the cap was, every time that that game was installed, it would accrue, it would accrue, I think it was like 20 cents or something like that as an installation. Um, the number, the numbers do not matter in this particular case. It is the thought of a, uh, a bill going back to the developer using a, um, using the uh, Unity engine that they had no control over. So this wasn't based on sales. This was originally proposed to be based per installation. So mm -hmm. this brings in a lot of questions about hardware. If hardware, if you're using your hardware, you're running out of space and you delete something and then you reinstall it later so you could go back to it as a, as a game or something like that, uh, that would actually be accruing a new bill, even though it wasn't a new sale. And this is something that most game studios or development studios couldn't predict in their own finances. So this becomes very problematic. Right. And, and also um, for brands, Let, let's let, you know, a lot of yes. people from brands are listening to this. So a lot of the brands, you know, might not have an internal, you know, game development team. Some of them do, but they hire, you know, studios to create these, you know, these experiences or these builds. So it would have also had an impact, you know, like, would it, would it be the, you know, the game studio that gets that charge? Is it the brand? It, it, technically it's the game studio that would get that charge because they're sitting on the license of unity. And so this, this is really problematic because, uh, as a developer, if I'm designing for a brand, which I've done many times in the past, um, I'm expected to be able to give them a, a bill that would make sense, right? I've got to be able to write a scope of work and show what things will cost and be relatively accurate, right? Uh, perfectly <laughs> accurate is the goal. Uh, and this just throws a lot of wrenches into those things. Long story short with all of this, this drama bubbles up. All of the major studios start questioning not only the practicality, but the legality of can you retroactively go against terms of services and things like that. And a lot of people decide, you know what, we're going to step away from Unity for a little bit. And some major studios decided this might not be for us because there are alternatives. Um, and basically, the the without mincing words, their stock plummeted. Uh, and it wasn't like a little drop. It was... Yeah, it was, it 10, was a 15 bucks drop. it went down yeah. and uh it just kind of continued sinking. Um this is this shouldn't be considered uh, surprising. Um the CEO uh of Unity has had a history of kind of proposing questionable mm -hmm. practices of how to profit. Um they were formerly the CEO of EA uh and they've they've made some um statements in the past that would be, yeah. Would, yeah, it would it would it would be considered probably not in the best interest of anybody um, within the <laughs> ecosphere. Uh, I try to be as as unbiased to these situations as, as I possibly can because you just never know who you're going to work with or work for in the future. But um, I'm pretty certain I'll never work for John. Uh, so <laughs> I guess well, he's I'm, retiring now. So <laughs> retiring with air quotes around it. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the story on Unity and and. I'm hoping that this this breathes some gives a little bit of a breath uh, to the whole industry and, and lets Unity come back because it is a great engine and it's necessary for our field. Um, anyone in the tech space is aware of Unity uh, and and wants to see them do well. So we're we're really rooting for a a good return here. Yeah, and and just like as way of background, like I've I've had a, a chance to engage with uh, with John. People call him Jr. Um, with JR, um, we were actually, 
you know, I was on a panel with him once. We had several conversations. I think he's a, you know, very interesting fella, very smart, you know, has been very successful in business regardless. Um, so it's really interesting to see kind of what happened, the announcement that was made, the, you know, how upset the developers were with, you know, and it totally makes sense for them to be. And then these new, the, you know, this news coming up. Um, I was reading an article and it kept saying, you know, this has definitely changed the game in some ways because it made a lot of studios reconsider the game engine, you know, the, the, the infrastructure that, you know, that they're using the technology that they're using to build some of these experiences and start to look at alternatives. So do you think that these types of situations are, you know, this is just, just the fad people got upset about, you know, the, the new terms of service, or is this kind of the future? Are people going to be looking at more game engines Are more game engines going to pop up? Undeniably, it was actually maybe one of the better things that happened to the industry because it it forced people to have the question of where what are my alternatives, and I, I I think that that's a good thing to ask no matter what industry we're talking about. Having alternatives is good, choice is good, and a lot of um, open source engines started popping up that may not be right and prime for the next AAA game or even a virtual reality or augmented reality experience or something like that. But for your standard mobile games or maybe some independent uh, indie titles that you'd want to put out on PC, uh, a lot of people started discovering that, oh, there was open source solutions here too, which I've always been a big proponent and fan for. Um, I think that it's great to start calling into question early the concept of a terms of service change, um, especially a ret- retroactive one. Yeah. Uh, we, we may have headed off a, a, a pretty significant problem because if this would to have gone forward the way it was originally set, uh, set up, the precedence that it would set in all of technology for a terms of service was mildly terrifying to say the least. Um, The idea that a company could go back on their word and say, just kidding, now here's your new agreement, even though you've not done anything. um, I don't think anyone would logically want that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I don't think anyone would. And I I remember some of the conversations around the brand space, like a lot of people weren't necessarily talking about it because they might not be in the gaming uh, side of things. But I did, you know, see some brand people being like, well, what does this mean? Like, what, how does this impact, you know, what we're building or we might, what we might be building? So, um, so I want to caveat that what really is interesting here is this is all about revenue share. The engines Mm -hmm. that you build your, your, your solutions in, right? Even if it's in fashion or branding, whatever you're building that in that engine, um, if it's like in Unreal, there's revenue share there. Or now Unity is also proposing the same to a certain market cap that a revenue share would be done. I find this very strange, to be completely honest, because hmm, I, can't, I can't think of another industry that actually says, yo, okay, I'm going to do that. So I come from the music industry. I can't fathom a world where Pro Tools or Ableton or Logic Pro, which are softwares that you make music in, would ever have ownership of the music, like a revenue share with the, of the music you produce within it. Um, so imagine That's a good if, point. That's like Adobe owning, right? Um, you know, rev share for your images or something. Could you, could you imagine if Pro Tools <laughs> got a revenue share from Taylor Swift? Oh my goodness! Wow, bananas. Yeah. Um, so it's a weird precedent that we've already set in the gaming industry as it is in the technology industry that I don't really like uh, because it, it calls into question of 
why? <laughs> um, well, but some of these engines you can use for free, right? Like if you're using a free gear, you, yeah, you, and that's the whole that's the whole give and take of it is you use it for free until it starts making money. And I can totally get behind that. But I also think that there should be always be an option to just buy the license and then whatever I make from your tool, I get to keep, right? That should be an option. Um, I'd like to see that more and more available. And maybe the industry has to move in that direction one day if more open source tools um, uh, become more readily available. We know that open source tools have really kind of made Adobe make really consumer-friendly decisions in their product line because mm -hmm. alternatives popped up. Alternatives are good. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Unreal. So Unreal is one of the other game engines, right, that people are using to create these experiences. Um, we're going to be talking about one of those experiences, but Unreal has also had, you know, a, a rough couple of weeks. Uh, they've been in the news as well with layoffs. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know several people that have been impacted. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. can you tell folks a little bit more about Unreal and maybe what's happening there? And we can definitely talk about Unreal Fest, which was their big developers conference as well. Yeah, I'm, uh, Unreal is very similar. I mean, they're often said in the same breath with Unity, right? It's kind of the Apple versus PC arguments of, of a couple <laughs> of years ago, right? We've got these two behemoth engines and they both have approached business a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, they generally do the exact same thing. Um, they just do things a little differently. Uh, I've used both. I'm a fan of both. Again, you know, this goes back to it's great to have choice. Um, and I don't know if I look at the the hardships that Unreal's gone through this this week and think too much uh, into it. Um, I think they're still on very solid footing. Um, the industry in a whole, technology as in a whole, has had a rough couple of months. Um, I mean, heck, maybe they've had yeah. a rough year. Uh, and and this is just the reality of the ebbs and flows of technology as uh, the Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, yeah, as, it's, it's yeah, been a, the a rough couple of years, though. There we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As the economy changes and as the as we've had, the world's had a rough couple of years, right? <laughs> so. In general, yeah. I think we're still going through it. I mean, I feel like every other week it's a new layoff in a new tech company or, you know, whether it's, you know, Unreal or Media Monks or, you know, whoever it is that is in the space, whether it's, you know, a, a tech company or an agency or a consulting um you know, a company, like, I feel like there's layoffs all the time and it's, it's heartbreaking. I, my heart, it's, you know, it's, a, it's yeah. a shuffling of people at the end of the day. Right. Um, and, and people bounce, bounce back. Uh, it's, it's not that it's not difficult, um, or hard. You don't want to see it happen, but it, mm -hmm. we had a massive hiring increase during COVID when people weren't really yeah. sure what was happening. And now things are going back to normal and normal mean sometimes in some instances mean a lower number. Um, and you just kind of hope that the companies that have to make those tough decisions take them very seriously and do the best that they can um, yeah. with exit packages and severance and things like that. Uh, That's definitely something Unreal did. I mean, as far as I understand, they gave yeah. everyone six months severance and they were going to cover health for the next six months. So I think that that was, you know, very, you know, very good um, as compared to other you know, other layoffs. So, so yeah, that's positive. I mean, my heart does go out to all these people, right? Um, one of our, one of our future um, guests that we're going to have in an interview is David Armano. And one of the conversations that we're going to have is around, you know, when we tie our identity to the company we work with and, mm -hmm. you know, you get laid off when, you know, what do you do in that case? So um, I feel like a lot of people that are listening to this might, you know, might definitely identify themselves in, in this moment. 
I think that's one of the harder things. And Kathy, you and I have both been through this, right? Uh, is is yeah. we we work at some place that you love so much, and you find part of your identity within those four walls. Um, and I don't know. I've I've learned in my years that it is great to be a banner carrier and really believe in the place that you're working. But sometimes those places do have to make difficult decisions. Um, your identity should be in you and your, in your talents and in your family and in your loved ones and the ones around you and the things that you find in your hobbies. Um, but where you work uh, should just be, you know, that's where you work. Um, and the work you do is who you are. I, I don't disagree with that, but um, yeah, it's, it's a lesson I think we all learn in time. <laughs> Yeah, but I think we're definitely moving more into that transactional kind of model where it's like I work and this is the work I do, but it doesn't it doesn't define who I am or it doesn't define, you know, what I stand for. Um, so so definitely I, I do want to move away from the, this a little bit and talk uh, a little bit about <laughs> uh, about some of the things that are, you know, being created using Unreal Engine. Um, so during Unreal Fest, which is their big developers conference, they had some, you know, great panels. I had a good friend on on the ground, um, you know, message me about a BMW driving experience that was, um, you know, released last week. But there's other, um, you know, experiences in Fortnite. And just to explain to, to folks, Fortnite if you hear the word Fortnite, you're probably thinking Battle Royale, which is where most people are spending their time. But Fortnite has another part called Fortnite Creative, where you can create maps um, or islands. Let's call them maps or islands, where people can go and play an experience. So like BMW, for example, has an experience. Nike has a fantastic experience. There's been a lot of brands going into the space, just like they do in other, you know, other, um, other platforms like Roblox, they're also going into Fortnite Creative and creating these experiences. Uh, they don't need the permission of Fortnite as you know, or Epic Games to create these maps. They do have to get them approved, but uh, they usually hire you know a studio or creators in this case uh, to create these maps. And there's a specific map that launched recently, uh, Lee, that you and I were chatting about and that you feel really strongly about. So um, maybe let's chat a little bit about that. And uh, I will pre preface this and say um, that I did find out about this map uh, in the weirdest of places. And there's a reason why you'll know soon. Um, while I was pumping gas, uh, filling up my car, I drive a plug-in hybrid. So <laughs> not fully electric, but, um, but I still had to pump some gas. And I was pumping gas and all of a sudden... Uh, there was an ad when you're pumping gas here in the U.S., an ad in something called Gas Station TV that plays while you're pumping gas. And I saw an announcement for this experience built in Fortnite. And Lee, tell us a little bit about the experience and how you're feeling about it. Oh, you told me to be good about this. Um, <laughs> I just said so it's gonna... the first episode. Try to not too, you know, try to be <laughs> not too bad. I don't know. <laughs> you're Yeah, I mean, by what all What rating means... does this podcast have? <laughs> Cause I got words. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, this opens so many problems. Um, so Shell uh, released a, a Fortnite experience. Um, and I think it garnered uh, on its, its announcement and launch. I think it got about a million views or something like that through their streaming announcement. Uh, it's, it's not that it's shell. Okay. Let me, like, I don't have, I don't have a gripe against shell. Um, and I don't have a gripe against brands going into these platforms. I really genuinely don't as someone who has actively built a lot of the worlds that are branded. I think that there's a good opportunity here. Um, but there, there does come a time where you just kind of wonder why are we doing this and what are we trying to do? 
to man- like what message are we starting to manipulate and um it, when we start getting into conversations of Shell getting into Fortnite to, and this is their explanation, to reach to a younger uh, audience so they can talk about environmental messages. Um, what they did was not necessarily propaganda, but you start tiptoeing closer and closer when you have a business that functions to provide fossil fuels um, which are still necessary to the world. Um, but then they're trying to also d- define an environmental message to a younger audience. You just wonder if that's the right uh, path for that message to be flowing to uh, an unsuspecting child. Um, and this brings to a larger question when it comes to what I call a UGC, user-generated mm-hmm. content-based video game. Um I do think the world, this whole digital world landscape may be saved by the EU at the end of the day. Um, By no (laughs) thanks to our own doing, but we just need a little bit more conscious effort or regulation in this. Um, And I'm not a big person who believes in regulating the internet. Uh, That's not what I'm saying, but uh, much similar to how we, and and I've, I've heard it phrased this way, much similar to how we've, um, taken uh, toys out of cereal boxes because it promotes the purchase of sugar un- sugary non-nutritional cereal. We probably need to take that consideration when it comes specifically to user-based, user-generated content-based video games. Because as you mentioned, Fortnite, yeah. Unreal, did they let anyone build in it? That's the magic behind Fortnite. So what does that mean? Where where does advertisement come to play when it comes to these worlds? Um, and I think a lot of that can be done with simple age gating, and we're seeing more of that. Um, yeah. Roblox has done a fantastic job of implementing um, a solid age gate system, and I think uh, we'll see that with Unreal and, and Fortnite as well. It's just one of those things that we have to we have to make conscious decisions about um, and, and be wise with uh, the paths that we have before us. Um, not saying that anything necessarily went wrong with Shell building a Fortnite game. It just is one of those things when you hear it, you go, hmm. Huh. Things that I make don't, you go, hmm? I don't know. I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You, actually, you actually fill up your car in, in, in the Shell map. I haven't played it, full transparency. I haven't been to Fortnite to play it. Um, but I did notice that it was built by a lot of creators. Like there's a lot of these parts of the map that were built by creators. And I wonder, you know, if there's any back- backlash, you know, against the creators. Like, I, I hope not. I don't, think, I don't think we've seen yeah. that yet. But, well, now you say I hope not. But mm. uh, these these are influencers. You have creators, you have creator influencers, and you have influencers, right? And yeah. so we're in this influencer economy. And so influencers run a business. This is obviously tied to their business as influencers. That's why they were selected to do this. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But who they decide to work with does have an impact on who, how they're seen and what their influence is, right? And that, that at the end of the day, is proper capitalism, right? <laughs> like as a business, <laughs> you indeed, make decisions indeed, indeed. and you just deal with the consequences. <laughs> yeah. So before we go to break, um, I do want to ask you, um, do you think this is future or fad? Are we going to see more potential issues rise up with some of the worlds or virtual experiences that might be created? What do you think? No doubt. No doubt. Um, <laughs> it, it, this, this technology is, I mean, 
it's Pandora's box in, in a good way and in a bad way. But once we crack it open, we better hope that we've got things taken care of. Um, cause we kind of didn't do that with the internet. Um, and in many ways, that's for that, right? We're, we're still paying for that in many ways. And in many ways it was, it was best. Uh, you know, there's, there's double sides to the coin. So, um, you know, I, I can argue and, and devil's advocate that, that whole, uh, triage, but at the end of the day, <laughs> with this, uh, yeah, we're this is this is going to be the conversation you hear over and over again for probably the next couple of years while the dust settles and we decide what does it mean to have a video game that is multiplayer and always on, um, and you can always just on and it. that anyone can create it. And, um, and, yeah. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think it's part of that future. It's not just a fad. I think we're going to start to see, you know, as more brands enter the space and more creators do things, we're going to get, you know, uh, it, definitely more potential issues arise from those worlds. And then you add AI, which is another level. But let's let's go on break. We're going to be talking about AI. Uh, and also we're going to be talking about space, which is really exciting. So let's go to break. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so getting back to the show... Uh, I want to talk about a story that um, our producer shared with us, and it's about artificial intelligence and Robin Williams uh, and something that's happening with using someone's uh, name, image, and likeness in AI and how family members are starting to feel about that. So I'll let you talk about this one, Lee, because uh, I think you had you probably have more information than I do about this uh, AI story with Robin Williams. Well, this was really more of a story about Robin Williams' daughter, Zelda. Um, she was uh, confronted with the fact that her father's voice was being used, um, repurposed uh, as an AI voice for, for content. And this is not the first time we've seen this. We're starting to see this more and more. Um, most notably, we saw Tom Hanks have this problem where all of a sudden he saw his image and his voice sponsoring a product that he had not endorsed. Mr. Beast, uh, famous YouTuber, also had this scenario pop up uh, last week, I believe, as well. And we're going to see this more and more. But for Zelda Williams, she had to confront the reality that someone is going to utilize AI to recreate her past father's voice. And and that's emotional. That's hard. Uh, and And she openly said, you know, this is something that I'm not okay with and, and is, is kind of a struggle. And, and I get that. Um, I'm a big fan of voice AI. I think that there's a lot of good that can come from it. But when you start 
utilizing that tool without the rights. And now we have a question about who owns voice print rights. Uh, that that brings a whole new can of worms to the conversation. And as you start seeing famous brands, people pass on, you're going to see those those voices kind of resurface and they may not have been okay with the use case put before them. So who owns the rights to do that? Who can say, no, we don't want you to do that? Um, and where does that fall uh, within the, the rights of intellectual property? Oof. These oh, yeah. are going to be tough questions. Yeah. Is um, it something that people need to figure out before they pass away? Is it part of estate planning now? Is it something that their estate, whoever you know receives that, is going to be in charge of? Um, or what it, happens? Yeah. I mean, like, even before that, like Tom Hanks just had this problem. Mm-hmm. He's still kicking. So, what what do you do in that in that particular case? Because you start getting into questions of impersonation. People impersonate people all the time. Uh, James Austin Johnson on SNL does one of the best Trump impersonations. I mean, he does Trump better than Trump does, right? So <laughs> that's what he's known for. He's just a, he's an actual intelligent that's <laughs> that's mimicking a voice. So what happens when the computer starts doing it? I don't know. There's so many interesting and also horrible questions that come with this. Um, so I, I feel for, I feel for the scenario that this is caused for Robin Williams' daughter because it's got to be tough. Uh, and I'm not, but at the same time, I was thinking through this as I was reading through articles and taking notes today. It, it creates a really unique opportunity where this all kind of started resurfacing because they're reusing Robin Williams' voice for some, for a, a new project with the Aladdin brand. But it made me think of like how many movies can get localization done with the original voice you know now who that, may not know point. may yeah, not know that language side. because robin williams to me as a kid who grew up in the 90s is genie from aladdin and it would be crazy to listen to that in a different language and it not be robin williams voice um now after he's passed that's a different discussion that's that's an interesting problem i'm not sure you know uh what does it mean when we can recreate a new Prince song and Prince has been gone. Um, well, or Prince was very visionary. Didn't he have it written in that he couldn't be brought back as a hologram? Did he include anything about his voice? I'd have to go back and check. We we actually have an expert who can answer that question, just not currently <laughs> on the show. So I will go back and find out. Um, we should have him on the show me. because I, I do agree. feel like Prince was a visionary on gaming, metaverse, like technology. Indeed, oh, Prince. Like. Yeah, he he was he was on top of it. Um, yeah, very very forward thinking had early immersive video games. We're talking back in like early nineties. He's, he created some really amazing things, but as for his likeness and his voice uh, returning as a hologram, maybe that wouldn't, that would not surprise me, but I don't have that information off the top of my head. So I, I'm going to say this one sadly is part of the future and it's going to be a very wonky, complicated future. Uh, Not just a fad. This is going to continue and it's going to get, it's no. going to get so bad before it gets better because yeah. once we get, I'm, a, I'm honestly, I'm scared of not this year's political season, but next year's mm-hmm. and the year after as this start, because you can make people say anything you want them to say. Uh, and, and I mean, heck just to be completely transparent, just doing this podcast is enough data that someone can utilize and recreate my voice. And now they have enough content to make me say anything 
that they'd like for me to say or for you to say. Uh, so there's a risk to just, just doing this <laughs> Anyone podcast. out there, please don't. <laughs> don't do that, please. So yeah, I'm with you. I feel like it's it's going to get really complicated and we're going to see the effects of it in the next couple years and not such, you know, some good things will definitely come, but some others. Well, let me ask you a question on this. Yeah. You're an author. Mm-hmm. What would it mean to you to utilize AI to uh, re- to do your own audiobook? That's interesting because I've doing the audiobook is such a lot. It's so much work, and it just so takes much. so much out of you. That I normally we just normally go with you know a voice actor that does it. Um, I don't know if the books need to be in my voice. To be honest, um, it could would be, that be weird. Would it be weird for you to listen to an audiobook of your book? with your voice and you know you did not read that out loud. Yes, it'd be super weird. I mean, I'm a guinea pig for all that stuff, so I might I might do that for the next one. That's a great idea, Lee, but I don't know. That makes me worried as well. It's like, you know, the voice print and everything. I mean, I don't know. That's actually a really good point. Um, I prefer, I will say this, though. I do prefer hiring a human uh, to record my, uh, you know, my, my audibles or like a, and things like that instead of using AI. I've always found the AI versions to be too robotic, but uh, that's obviously evolving and changing. So I don't know. I mean, I'm team human for right now when it comes to recording my books in audio. That's good. Good. Mm-hmm. Stay team human. Stay we team need human. <laughs> we need <laughs> <for> humans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to go to our last story that we're going to talk about. And this is obviously, you know me and you know, I love fashion. That's like my creative playground. It's I always joke and I say some people paint, some people write music like you. Um, I personally uh, express myself through fashion. It's kind of what I like to do, what I enjoy doing, whether it's creating, you know, capsule collections or, you know, working with designers to create really cool technical ideas like fashion is my playground. So this story I really wanted us to touch on because I also I'm I'm also really big into space. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing on space marketing, believe it or not, and we'll be talking more about that. Uh, but Italian, the Italian Maison Prada and Axiom Space are collaborating with NASA to create the spacesuits for its 2025 lunar mission, which will be our return to the moon and will put the first woman uh, that will be on the moon. So really exciting stuff. They're going to be working, uh, you know, on on, uh, on on pushing and adapting materials, obviously, because it's going to be very different than designing with materials that work on Earth. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going to be a really interesting process. It says 2025. Uh, in the past, uh, NASA has spent millions, large, large amounts of money trying to create these suits. Uh, the goal is for them to uh, be, you know, more stylish, uh, but also be more functional. Um, you know, usually we think of, you know, astronauts in these like really bulky, uh, very uncomfortable types of spacesuits. Uh, so I'm really excited about this. I personally think it's part of the future. I think that there's going to be a lot of really interesting things happening in the space side on the commercial front. Um, but what do you think? Like what, from your, from your perspective, what do you think of this? Is this fad or future? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a fashion person <laughs> at all. I, as soon as I heard it, I, I thought it was a marketing gimmick. I'm gonna, I'm just, to be real, I thought it was a marketing gimmick. They were going to like slap a patch on and be like, see Prada. Um, but <laughs> as I look into it, that's not the case at all. Uh, the whole concept is, 
that Prada would have more experience with uh, composite fabrics and actually be able to tackle this from a technical standpoint in a way that NASA might not be able to start like ha- as a starting block. So as I thought more about that, I was like, no, that makes a lot of sense because Prada would have a longer history of working with standard materials um, and then being able to utilize that to encapsulate, uh, you know, NASA's technology for things that are obviously I would assume are outside of Prada's scope of, of work when it comes to like making sure things are airtight sealed and being able to have, you know, temperature control and things like that. Um, So yeah, I, I'm down to see what it is. I think that, I think it'll be, I think it'll be cool. Um, I hope they hit a home run for the sake of the astronauts. (laughs) For the sake of the astronauts, right? I do think, I do love the idea of still going to space and being stylish. (laughs) Like, why not? I, I, I like, uh, so, um, so uh, who was it? Uh, one of, one of the people from NASA actually said that they, that we should not expect to see astronauts in Paisley spacesuits um, or any fancy patterns. Uh, it's more about maintaining good thermal environment, uh, which great. That's fantastic. The other thing that stood out for me is the weight. Um, we're going to, we're going to test this to our listeners here. Uh, the suit, is expected to weigh 55 kilograms. Um, that's from the most recent revealed mm-hmm. uh, spacesuit. And I was like, wow, I don't know what my conversion is. That can, and it says 55 kilograms and to be a better fit for female travelers, which I think is fantastic. Which that's is great, still yeah. 121 pounds. Yeah, but it's lighter than other ones. Like, that's, I don't think that's, that's what people so realize. Crazy is it's, that's an heavy. improvement. <laughs> Well, is it zero gravity, right? So does it actually weigh? That's the question. I don't know. Well, is it zero? Well, that's a good, that's a good point. If you're doing a spacewalk, what does it, yeah, it doesn't weigh 121 pounds if you're doing a spacewalk. You're right. You're right. That's, that's fantastic. I didn't think. I just don't know the gravitational pull of the moon though. Like, so I don't know. It's it's not here. So it might be a pound. I don't know. I'd have to do math on that. I'm not going to do math that fast. Well, all I know is that the people at Prada are going to be working with the really interesting materials, um, pushing the limits of what it can do. And, you know, for the safety of the astronauts, I hope they look stylish, but are also safe. And um, I think we're going to continue to see this like space spilling into a lot of other things. I, uh, you know, I did an interview, was it two years ago on space marketing and how um, back in the, I was at the early 2000s. Uh, Pizza Hut sent a pizza up to space to a cosmonaut in the International Space Station, and they paid $1 million for that. Whereas Estee Lauder sent up some of their serums and had the astronauts do like but a photo But did they shoot. do it in 30 minutes or less? Because they get a <laughs> refund on that million dollars if it takes more than 30 minutes. Oh, no. 30 days. <laughs> I don't know how long it took to get that thing up there, but it was there. And it, I'm sure it wasn't too tasty. But Estee Lauder actually sent up some serums and had the astronauts do a, like a photo shoot. Uh, and it was like under $200,000. So it was like the cost of space marketing is going down. And and then I had this whole question on like, you know, if the astronauts are the ones in charge of creating the content, like, does this make the astronauts like content creators and creative directors? Like, Oh, totally. Whole totally. Other world. Absolutely. <laughs> <Influencers> in space. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that that's one of the most impressive things for me as I've seen like in space, as the space program has grown and changed over the years is just how fast the people up there can get content back to us. It's just wonderful. Yeah. When I was a kid, you had like, really scratchy microphones, really long delays. If you'd hear anything back, you could hardly understand what they said. And now we're getting like HD feeds. It's like just 
streaming YouTube up there. It's well, crazy. yeah, we're doing bell ringings from space, opening the markets. I mean, it's it's a whole other uh, it's a whole other era. So I would say this one is a mix of future and fad for me. Like, I don't think like all the design. I don't think all the Maisons are going to be designing spacesuits. Um, but I do think that, you know, this part of commercial space is really interesting. What do you well, think? We've got a history of it, right? Jeep design mm-hmm. vehicles for the military. I mean, it's not like we've not had brands do do things for, for the government sectors before in exploratory sectors. Someone's got to build it. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how it comes out. Yeah, we'll see. It'll, hopefully it'll look great. And uh, while it will be heavy, it will be less heavy than others. And yeah, I don't think there, you know, there should be no reason that you can't be stylish. <laughs> While you're up on sp- in space. So I think that'll be it for this week, Lee. What do you think? How do you think we did? I had a blast. But I Go always ahead. enjoy just talking through these things. Um, hopefully people like listening to them. <laughs> Yeah, and definitely if anyone's, you know, if anyone has any comments or wants to reach out to us, um, please do message us on LinkedIn. Uh, We're going to work on getting an email as well for the show. So you can email us your comments. We're hoping to be kind of reading some of those, uh, some of those questions or comments that you might send our way and any, uh, any stories that you think we should be talking about. So Lee, thanks for joining me for episode one of Tech Magic. It went pretty magical in my perspective. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I love doing this. This is great. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for this first episode. I hope you found something interesting to think about uh, in the conversations we had around AI, space, game engines, and everything in between. And we'll hope you subscribe and you'll join us next week. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed Tech Magic. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.